The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today is Memorial Day 2019, the day when America honors those who died in the Civil War and all the wars that followed. I thought this occasion might be a good time to tell you a little more about myself and a book I've recently published that deals in part with life and death and wars yet to come. It's titled Dr. Doggerel Howls at the Moon, and it's written in verse in order to get to the essence of things, both spiritual and human. It begins with the six days of creation and then looks at what we've done with God's gift of this great planet and what we may be about to do in Iran and the Middle East. For as long as I can remember, I've had a recurring dream. It's, a, it's about a man on a battlefield, not a soldier, but a medic of some sort, a doctor or an ambulance worker. He has just climbed out of a World War II style ambulance, a boxy Jeep-like version with a big red cross on the sides and the roof. They are under active fire, and they've just stopped to help a wounded man when a huge explosion blows the ambulance and kills them all. Even as a child, I've known that man was me, but where I was when I was in my 30s, um, a medium told me what she saw of my last life, and without my telling her anything about the dream, she confirmed the story of the last time I died. It was only when I joined a volunteer ambulance corps uh, many years later and became an EMT that my battlefield blow-up dreams seemed to uh, subside. I was born during World War II, ten days before the Manhattan Project created the first sustained nuclear reaction. That discovery led to Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, the first nuclear attacks of this era, I say the first because recent events indicate we're headed there again. I say the first of this era because uh, forgotten history indicates that there was a time when we've been there and done that thousands of years before 1945. Well, think about it. In less than a 100 years, our technology went from the horse and buggy to nuclear weapons and landing on the moon. In India's ancient text, the Mahabharata, there are accounts that clearly describe the flying machines and the blinding flash of a nuclear attack. They describe it in excruciating detail, the effects of the blast and the resulting radiation, the melting flesh, the animals rushing into the river in a vain attempt to wash the poison from their bodies, only to die in the river after all. Finally, they have uncovered the evidence of ancient cities in India where the radiation levels are too high to be explained by natural causes. It seems the proof is in, and being ignored that we've been there uh, with self-inflicted nuclear destruction before this age provides us with nuclear wars to come. Iran, ancient Persia, now presents itself as a possible site as our government ignores the lessons of the past. As Dr. Doggerel described it from my book, Atomic destruction is not new to Earth. It's the end game technology always will birth. And the truth is we've been there. We've done it before. 
Perhaps 10,000 years ago, nuclear war took place in prehistory in ages long past and hardly remembered since nuclear blast wiped out history's memory, except in one place. The Mahabharata recorded the trace of nuclear explosion, the light brighter than sun, the flying machines that nuked everyone, and the horror that followed is described in full measure. The melting of flesh gives the reader no pleasure, and the animals, driven by burning and fear, plunged into the river, hoping to clear their skin of the radioactive disease that they knew would soon kill them if they could not ease the torment of nausea and blindness. Their death was certain, they saw, as they drew their last breath. The Mahabharata, that most ancient of texts, was written in India and clearly reflects that an earlier period of technology bloomed with power grids, weapons, and planes now entombed beneath man-made destruction or perhaps washed away by earthquakes and floods from an intermediate day. The machinery and buildings all rusted and lost set mankind's hopes backward, immeasurable cost. If we'd been successful at keeping the peace back then, just imagine where we'd be increased by knowledge doubling on average each year in peace and prosperity with nothing to fear. We'd now be on planets within wormhole reach. We'd be sunning ourselves on some mad-made Mars beach. We'd be mature in our kindness. We'd have cured all disease. We'd be cultured and wise, deserts blooming with trees. Such promise and wisdom lost to nuclear war. As I said in beginning, we've been there before. Needless to say, I found the dream of my battlefield death disturbing, especially when I was a child. It was not until my drowning at age seven and the resulting NDE that my fear of death went away, even though the dream went on. In fourth grade, my teacher, uh, Miss uh, Dugan, made us memorize the poem in Flanders Fields in honor of those who died in World War I. It was written in 1915, the year my parents were born, following the Second Battle of Ypres in Belgium. It was written by Lieutenant Colonel John McRae, a physician with the Canadian Expeditionary Force. The Canadians had just been exposed for the first time in a, to a weapon of mass destruction of that day, a chlorine gas invented by the Germans. In May of 1915, McRae wrote the poem in Flanders Fields. Its opening lines refer to the fields of poppies that grew among the soldiers' graves in Flanders. In Flanders Fields, the poppies grow between the crosses, row on row, that mark our place. And in the sky, the larks, still bravely singing, fly scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago, we lived, felt dawn saw sunset glow, loved and were loved, and now we lie in Flanders' fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch. Be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep, though poppies grow in Flanders' fields. McCray's poem has stayed with me all these years, although I have uh, always had a problem with that third stanza which uh, smells of retribution. After it became popular, the poem that is, the uh, American politicians used it as a fundraiser for more war when the rest of the poem is really arguing for an end to the needless destruction. World War I was called the war to end all wars, and it might have been. 
if it weren't for the impulse to racism, greed, and power in our human natures. In my new book of verse, The Dr. Doggerel Howls at the Moon, I try to apply poetry uh, to the same memory banks that have kept in Flanders' fields alive, in my mind, and uh, and in play. Memorial Day means remembering, after all. Remembering the horror of war and the causes of war and the fact of death and the hereafter. Reminders of the hereafter are stimulated in this book by my own NDE and the hundreds of uh, accounts of other NDEs that I've heard through the this show and in my work as a hospital chaplain. When I came of age in the 1960s, the Vietnam War was heating up, and so was the draft. Even though I was exempted as a married student with a dependent child, I considered enlisting. That is, until the losses of my high school friends came rolling in. When I learned my hero of the time, President Kennedy, wanted to end the war and may have been killed to stop him from doing so, my anger at the war-for-profit politicians turned me into a war protester and a worker for civil rights. Blacks were used as cannon fodder for that war and for our wars ever since. People have forgotten that blacks freed by the Civil War voluntarily disinterred a mass grave of Union soldiers and dug a separate grave for each body of those fallen white soldiers who had died to free the slaves. They've also forgotten that Decoration Day was set on May 30th because that was a day no Civil War battles had been fought. It was probably just the desire for another three-day weekend that made Decoration Day, now Memorial Day, a floating date for a day off. So let me read to you from the book uh, Dr. Doggerel's take on Memorial Day. Oh, let us remember the last Monday in May now serves as the newest Memorial Day. Three-day weekends, you know, are so much in demand. Our heroic dead soldiers no doubt understand. Decoration Day, we once called it, and all eyes were turned to the graves of our soldiers, and fervent hearts yearned for the Civil War soldiers whose lives had been spurned. The first true memorial began when Charleston slaves felt free to plan to dig up Union soldiers buried in one mass grave, though no one worried except those freed slaves would not forget. They dug each a grave for freedom's debt. May 30 was Decoration Day, and that date truly had some say, for no Civil War battles were fought on that day. But the Civil War's sorrows were not yet complete, for the business of war was now set in concrete. Death's dance card got filled with more wars replete, world wars first and second, Korea, defeat in Vietnam, victims wounded dead, MIAs, memorial flags flapped a colorful haze while the numbers of dead keep growing these days. Iraq and Afghanistan won't go away. Must we fill every graveyard for Memorial Day? But memorial means memory. It's right in the name. It means not forgetting. That's memory's game. The point is to learn from the history we've made. The point's to end war, not extend this parade. To celebrate those who fall dead at the front, cannon fodder, the lame, the hauled and the grunt, sacrificed on the cross of industrial prophets, Halliburtons and Cheneys, the guns and the rockets, the war racketeering that fills industry's pockets. 
while the dead are forgotten, the heroes so strong are under the hillside. It just seems so wrong. And yet it continues. The trumpets play taps while we're still believing. The political saps who keep on repeating, be strong for your martyrs, and we'll make damn sure to honor your daughters, and we'll make damn sure to honor your sons. Just keep us in power and buy us more guns. When the ravenous fox through the hen houses thundered, it's like praying for peace at the Indy 500. Instead of interring our daughters and sons, it's time to just bury the criminal ones who dress up our children and then take their lives and then call them heroes and snow us with lies about freedom and truth till we come to despise this business of war that brings tears to our eyes. Today, let's put memory where it belongs and stop the machine that promotes the great wrongs that piles on more carnage each Memorial Day. It's time to say no to the ongoing fray, to honor our dead in the very best way. Let's end the corruption that feeds war dogs their prey. There's an interesting item on public radio the other day concerning a new process whereby human bodies are stored in a box full of wood chips for four months, after which the bodies become fertile soil for growing things. This seems very weird to me, not what I would call a victory garden. And we can't wait to die in order to replenish the earth. Yet we do have to be mindful of what human population growth is doing to our planet. When I was reborn as a war baby during World War II, the world's population was just over 2 billion. Today, it's almost four times that, pushing 8 billion. And as a result, the rainforests are being cut, the oceans and air polluted, the topsoil exhausted, and wild animals are galloping toward extinction. Memorial Day should be expanded to include these memories as well, the the memories of an earth so blessed by God that it hung like a shining jewel in the darkness of space. As a tribute, Dr. Doggerel rhymes the six days of creation in the first chapter of my book. So here's part of that poem. God told Moses, I am forever. Time and space are meaningless. I have no place wherein to dwell, for space and time are only thoughts within my mind. To make this world, I needed space and time to build you, build a place, and so the universe began. I spoke a word to grow a plan, and time and space were just a ball. You couldn't see it was so small, but grow it did. To such great size, the stars you see with your own eyes are but a hint of just how great the universe has grown to date. Creation came with force extreme, and chaos seemed to reign supreme. But I infused it with a stream. Water is the blood that flows throughout the universe. I planted there the future, the seeds of life to nurture. Then matter cooled, and there was light. I separated day from night, and just one day from where I stood, I spoke and saw the light was good. And on day two, with all things new, I separated matter, too, and water from the waters. To build for you a place to stand, as matter cooled by my command, we split the sky from water, land, oceans, and the heavens stood apart. I saw that it was good. And then day three, the earth began to make itself a place for man. 
The soil emerged apart from seas, and on that land I planted trees and plants galore. All this earth bore, and reproduced seed-bearing seed. With this whole process I agreed, and called it good from where I stood. Then on day four, volcanic dust began to settle, as it must. The view of skylight did appear, so bright above the atmosphere that stars and moon and sun seemed near. They were so bright that none would fear the dark of night. The time of year would from these signs become quite clear. The story of my future plan, writ in the stars, for clever man to mull about and figure out, but not yet then, for on day four man had not entered through the door, and all seemed good from where I stood. Then on day five the stage was set for animals to swarm the wet of seas before they crept on land or flew through air. Please understand that when the creatures did emerge, twas first in sea they did converge and mate and bring forth their own kind. That this creation was not blind to their determination true to tweet and warble, swim and woo according to their nature true. Free will was then well understood. I called it good from where I stood. Day six began. A busy day for animals that eat the hay and plants and trees I had provided came from earth and there resided. And then I told my angel friends, I do not need to make amends to you or aught of my creation that men and women to salvation may attain. For in their brain, I make them like to you and me. And in their way, they will be free to praise and honor and enjoy this world, which they may now employ for their own actions, choices, dreams, their will to better, though it seems a futile hope, I know, I know, but yet in wisdom they may grow to love what we have done for them. And so I'll say to them again, be fruitful now and multiply and fill the earth and wonder why, as you do now, young Moses mine, when you question the divine, I gave man earth. I gave them food. I urged them into multitude. The fish and birds and on the land, I gave the creatures to their hand and called it good from where I stood. So what are we doing to this beautiful gift from God and what are we doing to one another? Separation, devaluation, wars over racism and religion, great wealth, created by theft and great poverty, created by that stealing, the waste produced by too many people into too much technology and too little love, and corporations obsessed with the next quarter's profit statements rather than the statements of the profits. That's the problem in a nutshell, or should I say in a nuts hell. You know, it won't take an all-out nuclear war to create a future Memorial Day celebrated in the shelter of a cave. One well-directed solar flare or one electromagnetic uh, pulse from one nuclear blast high in our atmosphere, something North Korea could probably pull off right now, could kill the U.S. electric grid and all the chip-run devices that keep America afloat. So Dr. Doggerel rhymes those problems, but keeps his concerns focused more on the earth change pollution that we have uh, now inflicted on our children, for which, of course, there's another poem. <laughs> D. 
Dear mother, dear father, what have you done? The vast ocean's beauty is covered in scum. The whales and the tuna have all gone away, and the white sand is black now, where we used to play. Dear mother, dear father, the smell hurts my eyes, and the dirt from the smokestacks is darkening our skies. My friends all have asthma and can't come outside. The birds flew away. Others stayed, but they died. Dear mother, dear father, this food sure tastes funny. We should buy organic, but we don't have the money. The soda is sweetened with some chemical brew. The genes of the corn and the soy are weird, too. They say pesticides cause Tiny Tim's ADD. My sweet younger brother may never be free of the strange black disease that's closed in on his mind. Compared to his friends, he's been left far behind. And then there's my friend with leukemia cancer. They hope that she'll live, but they don't have an answer as to why so much cancer is now in the land. Why don't they test chemicals we don't understand? The new carpet outgassing in our living room. BPA plastic bottles. Formaldehyde doom. 200-plus chemicals in every new baby will bring early diseases and death. That's no maybe. Dear mother, dear father, what have you done? You have poisoned the world for your daughter, your son. We don't stand a chance to grow healthy and strong because of these poisons gone horribly wrong. We wanted to run without asthma inhalers. We wanted to play without ozone surveillers. We wanted to swim without giving us cancer. We wanted to laugh, but we live in disaster. So we sit in our rooms and play video games. We invent brand new worlds with exotic new names. We make avatar people to live virtual lives. Our dreams are on screens a few inches wide. Why look out our window? Death is lurking out there. Why swim in black waters even fish cannot bear? Why breathe in the odors of this chemical sky? Every move that we make makes our bodies scream, why? Dear mother, dear father, will you make things right? Don't stop for a second or we'll die from this blight. We're frightened. We're crying. Please give us an answer. Your children are dying from pollution disaster. Well, I haven't forgotten that this show is about NDEs, <laughs> but that vision of the other side will will not excuse the disaster we leave behind for our children and grandchildren. Nevertheless, an acknowledgement of the big picture might put our values back in perspective. If we could acknowledge that this world was created as an act of love, then perhaps we could uh, lessen our impulse to grab the biggest piece of it we can and to hell with everyone else. About that topic, about uh, uh, living on, Dr. Dogor writes, it's true, you know, we never die. This matrix world is not a lie, but a promise made of things to come. The return to where we all come from. Stripped of the baggage from this world, this chaos into which we're hurled. When naked, embodied, we arrived from mother's womb. We're magnified from sperm and egg. We took our form and assumed the earth to be the norm. Why do we lose the understanding is it that life is so demanding we can't accommodate the love we learned and knew from up above? That sea of love is what we need to make this angry wor world succeed. But it's as elusive as the mist. 
When we left God, we were dismissed with an abrupt loss of memory and ignorance to make us free. Plato taught reincarnation follows death, the heavenly stations reserved for those who've learned pure love and merge with God like hand in glove, no longer needing, no returning, the struggle over, no more yearning to individuality that gives up ego to be free. But holding back, you're born again until you learn to say, Amen. Plato described a man named Ur whose death in battle did occur, and he with the other dead did go to heavenly fields through which did flow the river of forgetfulness, where those who die do bathe unless they've died too soon and must return. Near deaths, I guess, the way we learn what waits for us beyond the grave, those memories we need to save. It's true, you know, we never die. The soul eternal flies on high as the body finally crashes down. The body fails, the soul is sound, and carries memories, deeds, and fears. The pain we caused and all the tears that we inflicted on the others, the sin we did to sisters, brothers, friends and parents, lovers, children, the hurt we caused can be bewildering. During the life review we face, our cruelty then, now our disgrace. We all await a life review. It covers everything we do, and so we should avoid the hurt we cause today. This soul alert is posted simply as a warning. Accept that fact, and in the morning start another better journey. Your soul can't hire an attorney to defend it on the final day, but your own opinion has a say. And you may be your own worst judge if the weight you bear is too much to budge. Let me close with a personal perspective on death and near-death experiences. If reincarnation is a reality, and I believe it is an option available to us based on all the stories that I've heard uh, of what people have learned from their own near-death experiences and from memories that other people have generated from previous lives, including my own of my death on a battlefield, then NDEs and other mystical experiences and death itself both represent a moment out of time until we return to Earth. If reincarnation is the case, then we best leave Earth in better shape than we found it. It's like it's like having a summer cottage we return to each year after we go home to heaven for a while. It seems as part of the creation that, that we have two homes, and we should live in mindfulness that both matter, that both are connected to one another. After all, heaven is not necessarily infinite, but a part of the creation uh, God prepared for beings like us. Moreover, some of us are granted a reprieve from drinking from the river of forgetfulness. Those who clearly remember the details of their NDE, and especially those blessed uh, few who, who actually remember details of the time between their lives on earth, and even details of their past lives, uh, fascinating memories to have indeed. Memorial Day is about remembering, and NDEers especially rejoice in being able to remember their spiritual visions from the light. Well, 
I wish you a memorial, a memorable Memorial Day. Thanks for listening to my doggerel. If you'd like to read more of it, you can find Dr. Doggerel Howls of the Moon on Amazon in print or ebook form. If you'd like to listen to this or any of our past shows again, just go to NDE Radio and hit the Past Shows button. And for information on IANS, just go to their website at IANDS.org. And join us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.